Greetings in the name of the Triune God. Welcome to the Rural Midwestern Pastor Podcast. My name is David Johnson, and I am blessed to pastor the rural congregation known as Samanach Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us as we explore together how the scriptures declare the good news that God's kingdom has come to us in Jesus. If you'd like more information on our rural congregation, please visit samanachbaptistchurch.org. That's S-O-M-O-N-A-U-K, baptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening. May grace, peace, and everything good be yours in King Jesus. Good morning. Welcome to the online gathering for Samanach Baptist Church for Sunday, January 2nd, 2022. It is the first gathering we've had together for the new year, but even more important than that is this is the second Sunday of the Christmas season. We are still celebrating the birth of the Christ child, Emmanuel, God with us. This gathering will be called to worship here in a few moments by a reading from Jeremiah 31, verses 7 through 14, Jeremiah 31, verses 7 through 14. A couple of announcements uh, before we uh, are called to worship first. This is the first time in what feels like a long time that we've done an online-only gathering. The weather uh, is, is pretty wintry here in Northern Illinois, so for the sake of everyone's safety, we decided to only have an online gathering for this Sunday. Hopefully that will only be for this Sunday. We don't want to get used to doing this only again. We're looking forward to hopefully next Sunday gathering together um, in person. All dependent upon the weather this week, we are planning on having our midday Bible study through the book of Galatians this Wednesday at 1 p.m. here in the Fellowship Hall. And then also this Thursday marks the end of the Christmas season, January 6th being Epiphany. And we kind of want to have an informal gathering together to mark the end of the Christmas season and the beginning of Epiphany. And we're going to do that by gathering together with Sandwich Church of the Nazarene at Sandwich Church of the Nazarene. So this coming Thursday at 6 p.m., we're going to have a special informal uh, worship gathering together. Pastor Matthew and I have some fun stuff planned for us to do together around God's Word singing together and also celebrating communion together for this very, very significant day in the church calendar known as Epiphany. So mark your calendars this Thursday, 6 p.m. We aren't gathering here in the Fellowship Hall. We're going to be gathering at Sandwich Church the Nazarene in Sandwich. I hope you can join us for this special time together. Our invocation comes from Jeremiah 31, verses 7 through 14. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise and say, save your people, O Lord, the remnant of Israel. See, I am going to bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. Among them the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor, together a great company. They shall return here, with weeping they shall come. 
and with consolations I will lead them back. I will let them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I have become a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd, a flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion. And they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall become like a watered garden, and they shall never languish again. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will give the priests their fill of fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my bounty, says the Lord. This is the word of God. Let us pray. O oh God, who wonderfully created and yet more wonderfully restored the dignity of human nature, grant that we may share the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity, your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. For the second Sunday of Christmas season, our reading from the Gospels comes from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. This is the story of Christmas from the perspective of heaven. Unlike Matthew and Luke, who give us the perspective from earth, John gives us what heaven sees when the Christ child is born. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. A man came, one sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. This was the true light that, coming into the world, enlightens every person. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, 
who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and called out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who is coming after me has proved to be my superior, because he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. God, the only Son, who is in the arms of the Father, He has explained Him. This is the gospel of King Jesus. Let us pray. Because you gave Jesus Christ your only Son to be born for us, who by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit was made perfect man of the flesh of the Virgin Mary, his mother, so that we might be delivered from the bondage of sin and receive power to become your children. Triune God, as the Word of God becomes flesh, as the word of God comes to his own, by the Spirit, would we be those who receive him? Would we be those who trust him? I ask you to be present to all who are hearing the word of God through this technology this morning. And I ask that your spirit would be present to them in a discernible way. That each of us, as the word of God takes on flesh and comes to us, would be those who receive him and who believe in him. God sent the only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Beloved, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Morning, noon, and night, call out to God who hears your cry. Give your burden to the Lord who will be your support. Loving God, we bring our prayers to you because you know well what we are made of. In your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer. You come to us anew in Christ, full of grace and truth. We pray for ourselves and those dear to us. In your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer. You offer refuge under your wings. We pray for our community and for our neighbors. Triune God, we believe that you love Samanak, Sandwich, and the surrounding communities. We believe that you love the Fox Valley. We believe that you love the Route 34 corridor. We remember before you and name before you the many in our community who are dealing with illness, those who are dealing with 
the difficulties of this storm and the cold weather. We believe that in the humanity of your Son, you are aware of these weaknesses that we endure. We believe that in the humanity of of your Son, you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are aware of the stresses, the anxieties, the, the complicated relationships that many of us find ourselves in. So we name those things before you because we believe that you are aware of those things. In your mercy, triune God, Lord, hear our prayer. You give grace upon grace. We pray for the church in all places that we may reflect your self-emptying love. In your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer. You desire to establish an everlasting covenant of peace. We pray for the world, for those spaces and those souls in which peace does not yet exist. In your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer. We offer you all of the concerns that burden our heart. In your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer. Unseen God, you were pleased to dwell in Christ, to fill him with all your fullness. Open our eyes to see your glory shining supremely in Emmanuel, God with us, so that we with all of creation may shout praise and honor to the one in whose name we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Why? Why did the Son of God become one of us. Another way of putting that question is, what was the goal of God when the Son of God became one of us? Let me say that again. What was the goal of God when the Son of God became one of us? It's 2022. And I was speaking this morning uh, with my youngest son about what year it was now. And just as I said that number, 2022, it just kind of hit me in a really significant way, thinking that we would at least be experiencing like life like the Jetsons by now. You would think by now we would have something like time travel mastered. Well, let's imagine this morning that, that we have figured out how to travel through time. And I want us to have two different conversations this morning with two different brothers in Christ 
who have gone on to the other realm, who have passed from this life on to the other side, who are waiting for the second advent of Jesus to receive their resurrection bodies, but who we believe have a conscious existence with Christ and all who have died in him. The first brother in the Lord that I would like to go have a conversation with is Alexand um, rather Athanasius of Alexandria. To go find him, we need to travel in time and we need to travel within space to go to Alexandria, Egypt. He is an African bishop and he was bishop in 335 AD. He was a bishop for 45 years, but spent 17 of those years in exile. Four different emperors exiled him a total of five times. Athanasius, this early church father, this, this theologian who was in charge of the council we know as Nicaea. If you grew up in a more traditional tradition, you probably memorized at some point during your catechism the Nicene Creed. Well, Athanasius of Alexandria was the bishop who was in charge of that ecumenical council that gave the church this early statement of faith. His enemies did not like him. They pejoratively referred to him as the black dwarf. He was dark-skinned, being from Egypt, and he was short. And if we were to sit down with um, Athanasius of Alexandria and ask him the question that our message began with this morning, what was the goal of God when the Son of God became one of us? Without much thought, Athanasius would say to you and to me, he became what we are, that we might become what he is. He became what we are, that he might make us what he is. Now, kind of like a Berean Christian, I want to make sure these things are, are true. I want to see if these things are true. So I have an 18-hour flight, so now we've moved from time travel to just flying in an airplane. If we flew from Chicago to Alexandria, Egypt, and then flew from Alexandria, Egypt, back to Chicago, that flight would take 18 hours. And I want to ask Athanasius, where in the scriptures... Would you find the truth that he became what we are, that he might make us what he is? Without much thought, Athanasius would point you to John 1, 1 to 18. So if you and I were to say to Athanasius, we want to check in the scriptures whether your statement is true, and we're going to spend a lot of time flying and of the many things that you would need to explain to Athanasius, the, one of those would be that you have your own copy of the scriptures, something that, that, that people in his day did not have. And he would then, having figured out, wow, you have your own Bible? He would say, spend some time in John's prologue. John 1, 1 to 18. So again, what was God's goal when God's son became one of us? Athanasius would say he became what we are, that he might make us what he is. And I think this is exactly what we find in John 1. John first gives us some terms that we need to define. The first term is God. 
In the beginning was the word, and in the, in, in the original languages, some, some, some words here are referred to differently in, in different orders. John emphasizes by putting it early in the sentence, God. This is the term that we need to first define. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So one of the first things that, that, that John and Athanasius, his faithful interpreter, want us to know is that all things, all created things, find their beginning in God. John begins in a much similar way that Genesis begins. In the beginning. And he kind of sets the table with this. Remember that all created things find their beginning with God. But there are uncreated persons who were in the beginning with God. So first, all things find their beginning in God. But secondly, within God eternally exists the Word. And this Word has a face. Within God eternally exists the word, and this word has a face. Now again, there's some things here in the original language that we don't see in English, but there's a commentator named Francis Maloney. His name rhymes with baloney that has no relevance at all, but whenever I say that name, I just want to say Maloney baloney. But what Francis, a faithful commentator, has to say helps us see what John is getting at. Francis Maloney says, the word pre-exists the human story. The logos of God, the word of God, pre-exists the human story. And the word does not pre-exist for its own sake, but in a relationship with God. Pros, tone, theon, with God is what that normally is translated in our English but Maloney gives us a nuance that we need to see. The preposition pros means more than the static with. It has a sense of motion toward the person or thing that follows. So we know pro is like this uh, prefix, like proceed, to, to move in a certain direction. Well, there's an element of that understanding in this word because as Maloney reminds us in his translation, he says this, the translation therefore reads, so to back up a little bit, the preposition pros means more than the static with. Our translation just says the word was with God, but it says more than that. He continues, it has the sense of motion toward the person or thing that follows. The translation therefore reads in his commentary, the word was turned toward God. The word was turned toward God. So this idea of the word being with God is this notion of the word eternally was face to face with God. So when we define the term God at this point in his gospel, John is beginning to give us the New Testament definition of 
the triune God, that eternally within God, there is the logos of God, the word of God, but it's not just simply this impersonal word. It is a word that has a face within God's essential being is this tri-personhood. And the earliest indication we have that the church understood God as a trinity of persons who share together, who participate together with one essence is this idea that the word and God have been eternally face to face. So that is the first term, God. All things find their beginning in God, all created things. But then within God, eternally exists the word, not created by God. Instead, John's going to say later on that all created things were created through the word of God. But again, the word of God is a person. The word of God has a face. That's who God is, according to John's prologue. Second term is incarnation, not reincarnation, but incarnation. Look at verse 9. This was the true light, the light that John the Baptist, we spent a lot of time with him during Advent, the light that John the Baptist bore witness to. This was the true light that was coming into the world. This true light enlightens every person. He, so again, the light of God is a person with a face. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the word did not know him. So to understand incarnation, the first thing we need to understand is the light of God. The light that is God came to the darkness. The light that is God came to the darkness. Beloved, the God of, of John's prologue here doesn't dwell in unapproachable light. Instead, the light that is unapproachable comes all the way to the darkness, but the darkness does not overcome him. That's what John asserts in verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. The, dark, the darkness did not control it. The darkness did not overwhelm it. But now, verse 14, and this is where we start to really understand the thickness of this term incarnation. The light and word that God is became what needed saving. Verse 14, and the word became flesh. That's the word that I want to double click on in this entire message. And the word became flesh. Say that with me. Flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt, or more literally, tabernacled among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Flesh. That is the word that we must think upon each Christmas. It is the Greek word sarx. And here's what this means. All of the human person in its creaturely existence. That's what it means here for the word of God, the light of God to become flesh 
and tabernacle among us, to make his home among us, to dwell among us. The word of God, the second person of the Trinity, the light of God that came all the way to the darkness and the darkness could not grasp it, became one of us. He became an entire human person in all its creaturely existence. Beloved, this is so important for us to remember and for us to meditate on at least every Christmas, if not more so, that everything that we are in our creaturely existence, everything that we are, the second person of the Trinity, the word of God, the light of God, became. This is why our brother Athanasius says to you and to me, he became what we are that he might make us what he is. He became what we are. And then in John's argument, where does this lead? This leads to what? Us becoming children of God. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So if we receive the light of God, the word of God, the second person of the Trinity, if we receive the one who became flesh, who became all of what we are in our creaturely existence, we then become sons and daughters of God. Beloved, Athanasius is biblical. And he says to you and to me, he became what we are, that he might make us what he is. During our Christmas Eve service in the first Sunday of Christmas, I quoted from Barbara Brown Taylor. And again, I can't leave that quote because in one of those quotes, in one of those lines, she talks about how the one who came, the one who is made of the, sum, the same stuff God is made, became the same stuff that we are made of in order to hold both of them together. That's just a contemporary way of saying exactly what Athanasius said to us from Alexandria and Egypt, and also what John is saying to us from Asia Minor in John chapter 1, that God became what we are, that he might make us what he is. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul agrees with John, agrees with Athanasius when he says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son, and then this is what the text says, in the likeness of sinful flesh. As an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Beloved, Jesus was not some type of superhuman. He became an ordinary human in order to make us sons and daughters of God. Beloved, the Christian tradition teaches us. The Christian tradition helps us interpret phrases like flesh in John 1.14, phrases like in the likeness of sinful flesh in Romans 8 verse 3, as he became the same type of human that we are. Paul says something similar in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness 
of God in him. Beloved, the second person of the Trinity, the word of God, the light of God became what we are that he might make us what he is. Beloved, his humanity is the same kind of humanity you and us have. Riddled by weakness, riddled by temptation, riddled by corruptibility, subject to sickness, subject to death. He didn't come close to where we were. He came all the way to us and became one of us that he might make us what he is. So we've been a couple of different places already this morning. We've been, either by airplane or time travel, to Alexandria, Egypt. We've had a conversation with Athanasius, the African bishop from the 300s. We've been to the first century, to Asia Minor, to let John tell us, and, and, and Paul in the Mediterranean world tell us that he became what we are, that he might make him what he is. There's one last place I'd like us to go. I'd like us to go to Edinburgh, Scotland. Around 1934, Thomas Forsyth Torrance, a Scottish theologian, was a lecturer in Edinburgh, Scotland. And if we were to sit down with him and probably have tea, because that's what they would do in Scotland if a, if a Baptist and a Scottish Presbyterian got together, they'd probably share a cup of tea. And if we were to say to Thomas Torrance, probably my favorite English-speaking theologian who died in 2007, but if we were to travel to Edinburgh, Scotland in 1934 and to ask Brother Thomas, what was God's goal when God's Son became one of us? He would say something like this. He would say, the Word was made flesh. But what is meant by flesh? That's the question. John means that the word fully participates in human nature and existence. For he became man in becoming flesh, true man and real man. He was so truly man in the midst of mankind, Thomas says, that it was not easy to recognize him as other than man or distinguish him from other men. He came to his own, and his own received him not. Straight from John 1, that's why. He became an ordinary man. He became an unrecognizable man. He became a particular man. He became Jesus, who stands among other men unsurpassed but unrecognized. That is the way he became flesh. By becoming one particular man, and yet... This is the creator of all mankind, now himself becoming a man. In becoming flesh, the word penetrated into hostile territory, into our human alienation and estrangement from God. When the word became flesh, he became all that we are in our opposition to God, in our bondage under law. That is the amazing act of gracious condescension in the incarnation. That God the Son should assume our flesh, should enter a human existence, a human existence that's under divine judgment, 
That he should enter into the situation where the psalmist cried, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, so that the Son of God himself gave up the same cry when overwhelmed with the divine judgment upon our flesh. One thing should be abundantly clear, that if Jesus Christ did not assume our fallen flesh, our fallen humanity, then our fallen humanity is untouched by his work for the unassumed is the unredeemed, as Gregory of Nazianzus put it. So we're sitting here again in Edinburgh, Scotland, and we now need another cup of tea because we've either let our tea grow lukewarm or we've finished it because what Brother Thomas is saying to us is that we should not think that Jesus had a human nature that is any different than our human nature. So he gives us this summary now of what Christmas really is, according to Christian tradition. Thus Christ took from Mary a corruptible and mortal body in order that he, Christ, might take our sin, judge and condemn it in the flesh. That's exactly what Paul says in Romans 8. And so take upon himself our human nature as we have it, as we have it, in the fallen world that he might heal, sanctify, and redeem it. If the word of God did not really come into our fallen existence, if the Son of God did not actually come where we are and join himself to us and travel himself with us where we are in sin and under judgment, how could it be said that Christ really took our place? took upon our cause, upon himself, in order to redeem us. Beloved, the beloved disciple John, his faithful interpreter Athanasius, the Apostle Paul, and Thomas Torrance from Edinburgh, Scotland, come to each of us and say, in answer to our question, what was God's goal when God's Son became one of us? The answer is, He became what we are that He might make us what He is. The goal of God when the Son of God became one of us is that He might go entirely into the far country, entirely into the realm and country of sin, and be tempted by it, and be affected by it, and be sullied by it that he might grab us out of the pig trough where we are eating food for pigs and let that environment fully affect him, that he might pull us out as our faithful older brother and bring us all the way back to the father where we find there a father who has the fattened calf prepared and the angels ready to welcome home in joy those who have been rescued, that the Son of God, having become one of us, might make us what he is. Beloved, the invitation to you and to me is to receive the Son of God, who became one of us, that he might make us what he is. Beloved, the invitation to each one of us is that we might believe in the Son of God who became one of us, that he might make us what he is. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let us pray.
O Word of God, O Light of God, O Son of God, who became one of us in order to make us what you are. We thank you that we now, having been rescued by you, the one who became one of us, we are now restored into the bosom of the Father, the loving arms of the Father, that we might with you by the Spirit call God Abba. We pray through the Son and by the Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining me for this online gathering. I now invite you to receive our final benediction. May the triune God protect you from all evil. May the triune God keep your soul. May the triune God guard your going out and your coming in from this time on and forever. And all of us said, Amen. May grace and peace and everything good be yours in King Jesus.